Welcome to Catch and Release, a podcast project undertaken by more than 100 English 12 students from Sir Winston Churchill Secondary in Vancouver, BC. In these episodes, you'll be hearing about their memories, big moments from their lives, their regrets, and their dealings with mental health. We hope that after catching these stories, you find a way to release what's holding you back. Thank you for listening. Welcome. You are listening to Maze Through Anxiety. In the three episodes of this series, we'll be revealing myths about anxiety by teachers and professionals. We'll also touch on personal experiences and ways to cope with it. Hopefully, we'll be able to guide you to the right path through this confusion about anxiety. We are here with Ms. Nicholson, a psychology teacher, talking about anxiety. Yeah, the first question is, do you think a certain group has a higher chance of anxiety? Yeah, I think there are some people that are predisposed to feel more anxiety and the statistics say that girls do, but I think they just talk about it more. Boys still feel that anxiety and I think there's a lot to do with personality. Do you think that anxiety disorders are common? Well, I think everybody at some point in their life Mm -hmm. is going to experience some anxiety. So, was it common is that what you said are they common yeah I think that is a common phenomenon to feel Mm -hmm. anxious about certain things whether it's a disorder or it affects your life that's a different thing okay so how do you like distinguish with like just anxious at the moment and an actual disorder if it's if it's anxiety to the point that you don't feel comfortable so you're you're really agitated or you're inefficient, you can't get anything done, or you're acting in an odd way, others would notice it. So those are three things. If the anxiety is to the point that you can't carry on with your life, that's definitely a disorder, as opposed to just feeling anxious about writing a test or something Mm -hmm. like that. And so when you get really anxious, what are some of the strategies that you do that can help you calm down? Me? Yes. Uh, I'm not a very anxious person, but if there is something I'm really feeling anxious about, I try to be very factual with my thoughts and, and confront it. Like, what is it that's making me anxious? Sometimes I even write things down. Like I find once I get it on paper... Um, I talk to other people, strategies that, you know, sharing and seeing if we can come up with other ways. Um, Yeah, I'm really, it's important for me not to hide it, to get it out and talk about it and admit that I'm feeling nervous. Okay. Yeah, so like a really key thing you mentioned before, because boys seems to have like, they would keep it in more. And that's like really um, a disadvantage, Mm -hmm. not beneficial to like... no. kind of that cultural thing yeah what are some causes and symptoms of anxiety well they can range from the causes could range from simply nervousness at writing a test taking a foul shot a penalty shot flying a plane which is more getting into phobias Um, it could be that the parent sort of set up that anxiety Mm -hmm. so because they're their parent was anxious they start to feel anxious about the same things um, because there is that uh, environmental factor 
Um, and then the second part was causes and symptoms. Symptoms. Usually your heart is racing. You might have trouble breathing. Um, you feel kind of, for me, I, I might even feel sick to my stomach. Um, yeah, just general nervousness about doing anything, like, like a phobia. Mm. What do you think is the most misunderstood about anxiety? How common it is that everybody feels it. Even the people that look so confident, they still have some anxiety,、um, and maybe the fact of people not talking about it. Yeah, it's important、mm. to talk about it. What kind of advice would you give to people that have anxiety? Find strategies that work, and it may be even. Um, you know whether it's talking to somebody who's trained in that. I don't really recommend going online if it's a teenager or a young person talking to other young people. But an adult who's professionally trained in how to deal with that anxiety, because there's many strategies. Yes. Yeah. That include like medication. Do you think that、um, like, helps? Yeah, it helps initially. Definitely, but I I'm a big believer in I want to wean myself off of that, and then try to use other methods.、Mm. Yeah, just because it could be long range side effects and things, but definitely initially can help the person calm down. And some don't work the same way for one person as they do for the other.、Um, yeah. So it also really depends on like their personality. It does, but also their biology. I mean, some people will take an anti-anxiety drug, and it makes them more anxious.、Oh. Someone else takes it, and it really helps them. So finding the one that works for you. Are there a lot of students came to you because of anxiety problems? Not very often, and usually I direct them to the counselors because I'm not really formally trained. Even though I teach psychology, I don't know the whole history.、Um, it may be a combination of things, but yeah, I I give them strategies, and、um, some yeah they've followed through on going and talking to your GP and the GP knowing you know their general practice doctor and. Yeah, they do, but I often redirect because I don't. I'm not really trained. What are things that you think you should say to people who experience anxiety? Let them talk. Do not tell them they're being silly because they're feeling that anxiety.、Um, maybe even getting in with a support group. My niece, who's just had a new baby, is very anxious about taking her baby outside. She's found a group of other mums that are feeling the same way. And they meet online. It's really great. So, yeah, there's other people that feel that. Don't keep it hidden. So,、um, another part of our podcast is asking some questions about anxiety to students that maybe not be like that familiar with them. So, like maybe、um, their answer is wrong, and we can have you like correct them.、Mm. So, this is a true and false question. People with anxiety should avoid situations that cause them stress. It's hard to. It's hard to because if it's something like getting on a plane, there are ways that you can avoid that. But it's hard. You need to to come up with strategies. So I would say that was you can avoid them. I would say false,、okay. slightly. But the reality, life is you know. Um. Another true and false. People with anxiety faint and hyperventilate a lot. Not a lot, but some do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Anxiety therapy takes years to be effective. Mm. No, false. I don't think it takes years. Um, but it takes a willingness to work. Like it doesn't come easily. And lastly, people with anxiety have a bad temper. No, false. I mean, they could. That could be how it shows. They're mad at themselves. But a lot of people could be withdrawn, um, act really happy. Like if, when my niece told me, I was like, are you kidding me? Like you're so happy and about this new baby, but she's so anxious about getting in a car with her baby. She's so worried about something happening to the baby that she's not functioning. Last one, do you think that people who have anxiety affects their academic performance or social life? Mm-hmm, it can. Not everybody. Um, if someone is so anxious, they may not want to have friends over or go out to visit friends or like for this niece, I mean, she's afraid. So they've met, which is great with computers, they've met as like a, a Skyping each other and now they're meeting at a park, which is close by. So they're all together going out and yeah, and just taking baby steps. And the second part was, um, does it affect academics? Yeah. For sure. So if someone has test anxiety, but not everybody. Mm -hmm. If they have test anxiety, they may have figured out a way to deal with that anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's writing the test on their own, being allowed to have a little bit more time, only being given the first page of a four-page test and doing it and then handing it in. Sometimes just the overwhelming four pages can cause them anxiety. So it's really individual. Yeah. yeah. I think that's all we have. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, Thank you great. so much. You're very welcome. Great. Thank you so much. Okay, so uh, today we'll be interviewing with Mr. Johnson, um, Sir Winston Churchill's grade 12 counselor. Okay, and he knows a lot of really valuable knowledge that's true. Yeah, and we're going to be discussing the topic of anxiety. So let's just start off with, uh, we want to ask you, what is anxiety to you? Uh, well, you know, of course, anxiety is something that everybody feels, right? Mm -hmm. um, what we're talking about today, I, I, I think, is anxiety that um, has reached the level that it impacts someone's ability to function. Right? Yes. So we all feel anxious about tests. We all feel anxious about talking to people that are, we don't know. Mm-hmm. These are all things that people may feel anxious about all the time. Um, the when we start talking about anxiety in a in a medical sense, we're really talking about where that anxiety or that fear of that uh, event stops you from doing things that you would normally be able to do, or things that you know you need to do to be successful mm. and to be functioning, but you just can't seem to make yourself do. Yes. Mm. And anxiety, which uh, anxiety is different from like the sort of the easy kind of way to kind of separate anxiety from depression because they can often look very much the mm -hmm. same is that depression is often uh perseverating like thinking about the past like obsessing about the past and things that have happened in the past and anxiety is uh thinking about the terrible things that might happen in the future yes right. oh, that's right. a great way to think of mm -hmm. it um do you think a certain group has a higher chance of getting anxiety um i don't think that clinically there would be any evidence to suggest that. Um, I don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. From my experience, it doesn't seem to have any um, 
Like it doesn't seem to have a preference for any particular group. <laughs> if you want to look at it, it doesn't seem to impact any group more mm-hmm. than any other. Uh, you know, I'd say that women or, or females are more willing to talk about it, but I think men feel it or males feel it just as much, but they don't know what to, they don't know how to label it exactly. So they don't necessarily. I don't hear about it as much because, um, you know, boys are gonna. <clears throat> it's gonna look differently. Mm-hmm. It might look like school avoidance and and smoking pot, right? Mm-hmm. When really they're smoking pot because they're anxious and and the pot mm-hmm. makes them feel less anxious, oh. right? So they might not be in my office talking about how anxious they feel because they're off stone in the you know mag- oh. manga gardens. Oh, I yeah. see. So, so you're saying that. Um, instead of really showing their um, emotions of their anxiety too, they rather take it upon like other like using drugs instead to it can happen for sure because you know there is still in our culture it's it's harder for uh, uh, men have a, or males have a harder time articulating their emotions okay. they don't feel they have the permission to do so or they don't understand how to do they don't have the language to do so so they find other coping mechanisms which necessarily aren't necessarily as positive okay yeah, I think even though it might be especially for men, but a major problem with uh, mental illness is people they are afraid to talk to people or share mm-hmm. that they have issues, and that could um, really make the problem even worse. Absolutely. So, being a counselor yourself, are there a lot of students that come to you because of anxiety problems? Yeah, I'd say it's probably it's it's interesting because anxiety and trauma can look a lot alike. Um, and they're often kind of going on, they kind of go on together um, because if we have some sort of trauma in our life it can make us very anxious about things mm-hmm. right um, so if you know if, if you've experienced violence then uh, the world will seem less safe um, and so that could lead to you worrying about what's going to happen if you talk to that person or go out and go out to that party or to go out in, at night or all these different types of things so both of those behavior, all of those behaviors could be the result of social anxiety, but could also be the result of trauma because you've been, you know, you've experienced some sort of trauma and that makes you nervous about what the world's going to happen, what's going to happen when you go outside again. Um, but I, so I see it a lot, um, for sure. It's definitely the thing that I probably deal with the most, um. for sure. Yeah. So then how do you deal with them? What kind of advice do you usually give? So when it comes to like clinical anxiety, um, there's stuff that, in terms of the treatment of that illness, um, there isn't. There's some stuff that I can do, and there's some stuff I can't do, right? So it's kind of like if you break your leg, right? You need to go to the doctor to get your leg fixed, right? But then you go to the physio after to kind of get yourself tuned up and back to being in full condition or full uh, full functioning. So. To really get at treating the anxiety, you need to really work with a doctor and a, a professional counselor outside of the school setting to really kind of work very seriously in a clinical sort of focused setting to sort of deal with deal with how to break down the thoughts that are causing the anxiety, to come up with different sorts of um, uh, scripts, depending on what kind of treatment the, the counselor and the doctor want to use. Um, and then my job would be to reinforce that and to, you know, give you know, exercises, if you will, that the student could do to help get better, just like a physiotherapist would, right? But you really need 
the doctor to do the doctor and the sort of professional counselor to sort of do that the main part of that lifting because I just can't do it here because it involves a sort of kind of a program but also sort of a, a setting where you don't want to get interrupted all the time mm -hmm. and the phone doesn't ring and you know I don't get taken away by Mr. Lamb because there's a fight in the office or something you know so it, it's a <coughs> you need a more a safer setting than this can be mm -hmm. right? but my job you know so I help mitigate with teachers and test anxiety and and um, you know, uh, talking to teachers about uh, whether or not a student can write the test up here in the counselor suite, or if they can write it the next block, or how to help how to help make sure that the students' marks reflect their ability, not their anxiety. Mm. Um, that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, you can kind of help with compromising them and maybe reducing their stress a little bit less, mm -hmm. like taking a test in the counselor yeah. suite. Yeah, that's pretty helpful, I would say. Um, what are some challenges you experience when doing this? Um, well, it kind of depends on how long the person's been feeling anxious because sometimes uh, anxiety is one of these, or any kind, a lot of mental health issues are sort of, um, uh, part, part of them are sort of a thinking problem. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a chemical problem, but sometimes... Uh, a larger component of it can be a thinking problem, so it's how people think about things. And so the longer that someone's been feeling anxious and not really kind of talking about it, the harder it is to kind of change or uh, challenge those mm. thought patterns that are really entrenched, right? Um, and so, you know, the, 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 the biggest challenge I have is really trying to keep encouraging people to keep on challenging those thought patterns, and, you know, it doesn't work overnight kind of thing you have to kind of continually challenge those thinking problem patterns and continually challenge those thoughts that cause anxiety because you know if you can come up with a script that sort of says yes that's making me nervous but I'm still gonna go ahead and do it because it'll be okay in the end or like if someone's nervous about speaking in public right you know usually it's because they're catastrophizing about all the terrible things that will happen when they make a mistake right? mm -hmm. um, but then you get them to do it once and how they do right get them to do it again how they do. And over a period of time, they may feel really, really anxious about doing that presentation, but if you can say, well, you've done three of them and you got A's each time, right? So yes, you're really anxious about doing that presentation, but you know, the evidence would suggest, the facts would suggest that you're actually going to do fine, mm -hmm. right? And you want to try to get to the point where the student says, you know, this is really making me anxious, but you know what? Based on what I've done in the past, I'll probably be okay, and I can help reduce the anxiety a little bit every time, right? Mm -hmm. I've done this, it's been successful. Mm -hmm. <coughs> I've been successful, so I can, you know, I'll be okay. I can do this, and they gain some resiliency to that idea. Okay, yeah, I see encouragement is also a really useful. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, um, taking, reducing their anxiety like, little by little. Mm -hmm. Okay, next question. What do you think are the causes of anxiety high school students especially? Um, well, it, it's kind of a bit of a combination of nature and nurture. Mm -hmm. So nature's like, some people have a, just a, a, a predisposition towards it, like it can just be, there is some evidence that it's a little bit genetic. Um, but certainly there's also an element of nurturing to it. So if you're, if you're, if you're, one of your parents is overly anxious and they're always worrying about things, that can, you learn that that's, kind of what you do is you worry. Um, I also think that, uh, like, I really, you know, I don't have any clinical evidence to suggest mm -hmm. this, but just from my own sort of experience, I really think that technology 
like social media, yeah. all these things have a ne- have a negative impact just because they don't allow you to be bored, right? right? Like really, honestly, like if I'm thinking about when I was a kid, like there were lots of times when I literally didn't have anything to do, mm-hmm. right? I, so I just sat and stared out the window, <laughs> you know, because I was bored. And that's a type of, but that that is actually very therapeutic because you're actually not stimulating your brain. Yeah. You're actually not engaged in anything. You're sort of in this sort of meditative, relaxed kind of state. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes in that state, you can figure out different, you know, you can solve a problem emotionally that's going on for you and kind of a realization, or you just can be really creative and come up with ideas you might not have ever thought of because you haven't got something in your face that's giving you ideas. Oh, Like yes. a phone would, right? Like boredom is a real root of a lot of creativity, right? Um, you know, in my mind, I think the phones just kind of, they always, they keep you, like they keep teenagers and activated emotionally mm-hmm. in a way that teenagers in the past didn't. Right? You could literally just, there was no stimulus. There was nothing going on, right? So you were like staring at the window, and that's actually healthy, and, oh, and yes. reducing anxiety. Oh, okay. Right? Because you're not always being activated. Like you know, you're, even when you're just scrolling through social media, you'll see something that you have an emotional reaction to, mm-hmm. right? And it, you may not look at it long, but it's still going to have that impact. And it's this small little pokes that keep you emotionally engaged all the time. Whereas if you don't have those things, if like when I was a kid, like. I remember sitting in the chair in the front of my house just staring at the snow falling for an hour because I was either too lazy mm-hmm. to do something or this wasn't anything to do. And that's really therapeutic. Yes. Right? Um, and I wouldn't have done it if I had a phone. I would have been looking at my phone. Yeah. Nice, nice. Right? Yeah, I think that's actually kind of similar to the meditating. Is mm-hmm. the meditating is also like clearing your mind and just be still. Yeah. yeah, and we would do like you know you did we did it as kids because we weren't thinking about doing it that way because we were still thinking about things but they might have just been random things without any associations and just and that's why sometimes that's how you could solve a problem because your mind would just be kind of flowing freely without mm-hmm. any focus and all of a sudden, bang you'd make some connection. Yeah, and mm, yeah. um, do you think do you believe that could be like the main cause of like? Why teenagers these days are probably getting a lot Like, I, I do think it's a part of it, but there's also, you know, there's this, we have a saturation thing, you know, we have a saturation of information. Yeah. Like, you guys get hit with a lot more news and a lot more ideas. Like, even if. A lot of negative. And a lot of it's negative. Some of it, like, there's lots of positive things that you see mm-hmm. through social media, too, but those tend to be on a kind of an individual scale. And when right. you're listening to things on a sort of a grander scale or a national scale or a global scale, you know, there's. You know, generally don't hear a lot of good news right? yeah. and that can be uh, that can be definitely sort of a factor um, but it, and that's something that I didn't have when I was growing up because right. if I wanted to look at the news you know I, I either had to listen to the radio every hour or mm-hmm. I could and I'd only get the news once an hour mm-hmm. um, or I had to watch the news at night right then there was no and if I didn't do those things I didn't get any news Right, whereas you guys can't almost help but get news. It's yes. just like because it's Definitely. always on your phone, and if you follow yes. anything that has any news, it comes on your phone, and there's a notification, and yes. then you know. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Do you think school back then and now is like it more stressful and like may cause more anxiety because school is a factor? Um, I would only. Uh, it's hard for me to say because I grew up in Ontario and I grew up in Toronto, and it's a different post-secondary landscape there in terms of the number of schools that are around and, and the kinds of marks that you need to get into them. So I do think that it's there's more stress like at Churchill, but also just in the Lower Mainland in general, because 
people feel they have limited options and so there's a you know there's a lot of pressure to get into say UBC mm. but that's mm. a really school to hard school to get into the admission averages are really really high right so U of T which is you know an excellent school as well like it's admissions averages aren't anywhere near as high as UBC's right um, and like all of the universities around Toronto of which there's about 10 like Queens Western you know Brock you know uh, Laurier Waterloo Western Ryerson like there's billions of them mm-hmm. right all of them have admissions averages that are, you know, 10% lower, let's say, for arts, right? Um, and so that's doable for way more kids, right? But here it's like, okay, I gotta get into university, I gotta get, I gotta get 90s, right? Yeah. And that's really stressful, because it's really hard to get 90s. I know. <laughs> it's yeah. really hard. <laughs> like you have to work really hard. So again, you're always engaged, you're always focused, yes. you're always thinking about yes. this, and so you're not having that kind of downtime. Yes, there. I don't. I think lately we don't really, we aren't really given much mm. opportunity to really relax and tune into our own. Yeah, know, I'm, I'm a, my dad, my son is seventeen, and I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. Like, dude, you got five weeks. You know, bust your ass. Let's get, you know, let's, <laughs> like, you can rest when you're dead, kind of thing. Not when you're dead. Sorry, you can rest when you know second term's over. Yes. You, know, you have two weeks off to, oh, to kind of recuperate, mm. but right now you mm-hmm. got to be on it. You know, and which mm. is, and I'm, you know, because I know that it's actually true. And that's and the truth for you guys is that I can't say oh don't worry about it. Well, no, you actually do have to worry about it because yeah. it's true. But your second term marks matter. All right, nice, thank you. Right. Okay. So yeah, school does definitely yeah. be a part of it. You're not looking very happy. Yeah, because I I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, so do you think that anxiety affects a student's academic performance and social life? Well, it's funny because sometimes anxiety can actually have a really positive impact on their academic performance mm. oh, definitely. in that someone can be so obsessed with doing well and so worried about doing mm-hmm. well that they spend you know, excessive amounts of hours preparing. Yes. Right? And then if their anxiety isn't so acute that they actually then go ahead and write the test or do the project or do the presentation, they can often perform very well. Mm-hmm. What can often happen is that the anxiety gets so, mu- gets so severe that... They, even though they've prepared twice as much as everybody else, they still feel they're not prepared enough, and so they avoid the test. And that's when it starts to have a negative impact on yes. their performance. Because um. right? that's usually what starts to happen, is that people then, they, like, you know, they get A's on everything, but they're always convinced they're, you know, the next one's going to be a failure, mm-hmm. right? And then they're like, it's a big test, and they're like, they prepared a ton, but there's still one thing they might not know, or they feel they don't know, and so mm-hmm. they feel like they can't write the test. Because if they write oh. the test, then if they don't know that one thing, they'll fail, and everything bad yeah. will happen. And then mm-hmm. the world, their life is over, right? Yes. And it's and it's and so that's when it starts to get negative, because then they can't function as they would normally. But up for a period of time, like you know, it can be really, really positive, like or not really, really positive, but it can look like it's really, really positive in the sense that their marks are really good. They may be miserable, but their <laughs> marks are really good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Is there also a case where they worry too much? They don't actually get anything done, but they just spend their time worrying about yeah. getting it done. Totally. That's and yes. that's a, so that's another way that it can look. It can, it can look that way as well, where a student just does seems doesn't doesn't get to that point of achieving. They just are paralyzed all the way along, yeah. and they and, and they avoid class or they avoid um, handing things in just because they can't even get started on them because yeah. they're so worried about the outcome. Absolutely. And, and then it can, in terms of social life, because you asked that, that was the second part of your question, is like academics mm-hmm. and social. So that's the other thing that can be hard. Sometimes someone who's very anxious about school can be quite comfortable socially, right? 
Um, and so teachers like, there's nothing wrong with this person. They're like, I see them in the hallway and they're having a good time. You know, they don't seem very anxious to me, but they're not anxious about hanging out with their friends. Yes. That's easy, yeah, right? Um, th it's, it doesn't require any effort on their part. They're, they're not, mm -hmm. It doesn't, it's not a source of anxiety. And, or the opposite can be like, their school is fun, but they can't be around people because it's too much. Like they, 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 or usually if someone's got really bad social anxiety, that's what the, they tend to be the ones that don't come to school. Like their anxiety gets so bad that they avoid school because they just it's the social interactions are just too stressful for mm -hmm. them. They can't they can't be here, and then that, that's why they get and they need that clinical piece to get them understanding that you know if they say something wrong, it's not the end of the world, and not everybody's going to hate them forever <laughs> because they said one thing wrong in a conversation, which is what people with social anxiety think about. All right, thank you, Mr. Johnson. Um, I think I believe those are. There's just some more general questions. Oh, okay. mm -hmm. So, like these, um, for like a part of our podcast is gonna be we're gonna ask some strangers that may not know that many things mm -hmm. about um anxiety or like they would know more of the myth. So we're gonna ask them that and we're gonna get them be corrected okay. by you guys. Okay. Mm -hmm. So. Hmm. So do you think, true or false, people with anxiety should avoid situations that cause them stress? The, the clinical answer to that is no. Mm -hmm. right? Because a big part of overcoming your anxiety is, is becoming used to the idea that uh, whatever catastrophe they think will happen doesn't. Right? And building, it's like a lot about treatment for anxiety is about building resiliency around uh, Overcoming that fear of failure or fear or fear of disaster. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, that makes sense. And also, true or false? Anxiety therapy takes years to be effective. That one I can't really answer with any great authority. I think that um, that's probably true, but only. But that doesn't mean that it takes years for someone to become functional mm -hmm. you know I mean like someone it, someone can become from come like return to being functional within six months right let's say they've got social anxiety and they're at home and they're not talking to anybody like within six months they may be going out within their peer group and they may be you know living a much more normal normal kind of life that doesn't mean that the social anxiety is gone it doesn't mean that mm -hmm. that doesn't paralyze them it doesn't mean that it doesn't dominate their thinking but their level of functioning has gotten back it up, back up together. It may take, you know, five, six, seven, ten more years for them to get to a place where that social anxiety really isn't a factor in their life anymore, like it's really fully gone, right? But that's true of some illnesses too, like, mm -hmm. you know, sort of like it just, it depends how committed they are to the treatment. Mm, yeah. And uh, one last true or false: people with anxiety have a bad temper. Uh, that is false. When you get really anxious, what are some strategies that you do to help your yourself calm down? So, you know, if, if I'm anxious in a specific situation where I have to deal with the situation, um, like doing an assembly, right, let's say, oh, right. which I don't like doing, um, uh, then it's breathing, like just taking deep breaths, right? I'm not being chased by a tiger, right? Everything's fine. Um, and then I do, I, you know, I've now done so many assemblies, right, and 
they've all been okay. Nothing terrible happened. I haven't been fired. You know, no one's thrown eggs at me. So it's uh, that I just it's you know evidence would suggest that this will be fine. And I would just go with that sort of mantra, right? And then in a bigger picture, you know, in general, I just exercise a lot. I do oh. things like um, I go birding, which is like a that's why I have those pictures of the birds, right? <laughs> Because right. so I the go, I go birding, and that a friend of mine made those for me. So <laughs> birding is a really, um, it's a way to get away from the phone, mm. right? Because if you're gonna actually see birds, you really have to focus on just hearing and just looking. Like you focus all your energy on those two senses, because otherwise you won't be able to see the birds. And so that by doing that, it, it necessitates you not thinking about anything else, right? So you know I'll bird for two hours and not even know it's been that long and I've been totally in the space of looking and listening um, and so that whole time my brain wasn't worrying about anything it wasn't thinking about the thing that could be going wrong it wasn't thinking about what I have to do at work it wasn't thinking about this it was totally focused on that and so I guess my 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 uh, <coughs> like the, the uh, my adrenaline system a chance to relax because it's not mm. stressed out about anything yeah, yeah. And so other people use other people use meditation. Other people use you know different types of things, listening to music, playing music, whatever. Mm. Okay. But that's just something I do. Yeah, I think that's it. Oh, that's all right. It. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So thank you so much, Mr. Johnson, yes, for this answering. Yes. yes. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much for asking the questions. They're all excellent questions. Oh, thank you. In the next episode, we will go out of our comfort zone and dig a little bit deeper into the anxiety world by interviewing two specialists in this field. See you there! Edited by Ellie and Scarlett. Scripted and dialogue by Tanya and Rosalind. Interviewed by Rosalind, Tanya, Scarlett, and Ellie. Sound from soundbible.com and freesound.org.